Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about the crazy love of a very real God, how I experienced that love, how that love changed me, and how it influenced the fact that I'm still a Christian today. When people hear my story, I often get asked why I'm still a Christian. And honestly, I think it comes down to two things. Number one, that I met Jesus as a real and living presence. I love that name for him, a living presence that comes from David Bennett's book, A War of Loves. He talks about encountering God as this living presence. And I just absolutely love that. And then I also think it's just because I experienced this very real, very crazy love of God. And I want to just kind of explain it, if I can, today. I I had this relationship with the living God that started when I was 15, when the presence of God showed up in my bedroom. The best That's the best way I can explain it. If you've heard that story, I was praying a prayer my mother had given me about the names of God, and I was just doing it, you know, in a way, kind of two-dimensional, just praying because it was the right thing to do. And I was following my homeschool assignment, and unexpectedly, I felt the presence of God for the first time. And as I recognized that he was real and living and active, and it wasn't just this concept, he was an actual person, I wanted to get to know him. And so I began this relationship with the God of the universe, which is crazy, but absolutely accessible to anyone, thanks to Jesus. God wants us to know him, and he is out there for us to know, and I love that about him. And I think even though I still was a bit confused for a while, Growing up in my cultic organization like I did, everything was so religious and so formulaic. And so if you do this, you're going to get this. And if you don't do this, then God's going to punish you kind of a thing. And so it took me a long time to really get all that out of my head. And so I was still formulaic and I was still religious. But at the same time, I had this relationship with God and I muddled my way through it. And he just continued to seek me and just show himself to me. And I, I just know that I'm still a Christian because of him. Meeting Jesus and experiencing his love is why I'm still a Christian. This prayer is from a journal that I was writing when I was 22. So it was after I'd gone to camp, after I'd had the experience with real Christians and real world kind of thing, not just my own cultic organization, but like these actual people that I thought were worldly at one point in time, but turned out to just be genuine and love me and love Jesus. It was while I was in college for the first time. So I was still living at home, still mostly wearing skirts, still had long hair. But at school, at college, secular college, and just trying to figure out life. And so here's this prayer that I wrote. This is just jumping right into the middle of it. I say, you are so complex, and I really don't know much about you. I am confident that you exist, and that everything you said and say is true, and that whatever you do is right. I feel your heart of love, and I know that love is the driving force behind everything you do. I know what it feels like to follow you and to know that I'm in your will, even when I don't understand every aspect of what we're doing. I know what your presence feels like when you suddenly come upon me, and I feel the gentle confidence of being sure of your existence, even when I'm not feeling you. I know what it's like to stand in a dark field at night, staring at the billions of stars I can see, feeling so small and insignificant, and yet very not alone. I know what it's like to sob until there are no tears left, because you have let me experience a taste of your love. Love is beautifully unexpressible but it also hurts like nothing I've ever felt before. 
I know what it's like to have you suddenly appear in your holy majesty and to fall on my face and still not feel low enough as I worship you. I know the feeling of taking your hand in the utter blackness, trusting that you can see, and whispering, let's run. I know sweetly the experience of utter exhaustion, of laying my head on your shoulder as you gently encircle me with your arms, of sighing in the darkness, and of feeling you pick me up and hold me close and carry me. This life, God, here on earth, it's not about me or about this earth. It's about you and about eternity. Help me to hold that belief tightly as I do the day-to-day things here that you bring my way. Nothing from you is insignificant. Help me to keep this in mind. Hold my hand tightly and let's run on. I read that journal as I was going down to Georgia to visit my brother. And I literally just started crying because these journals, man, they were hard to read. I was just so full of myself at times, so sure that I was so great. This was before I went to Detroit area and got broken. And so I was just, it was just kind of hard to read at some point. I was just so sure of myself, so sure that I was right. And yet at the same time, I just had this relationship with God that was just so genuine. Like I loved him. And if nothing else, I loved him and I wanted to follow him, even though I wasn't getting it all right. And I still had some really crazy ideas about things. I mentioned in my prayer about having tasted God's love and knowing what that feels like and crying about it. And that's kind of where I want to just focus this podcast on is just the love of God. And I think my first experience with God's love really just came even as I was a young person, because every year we would get this newsletter from our family friends. and their son was the one that I had really cared about when I was a kid. And I still cared about him. Every Christmas we would get this newsletter and I would run to the basement and I would read it and I would just hope for something good, just for some good news about him. And every year it would just not be great. And every year I would just cry and I would pray and I would say, I'm not giving up. Like God has something good he's going to do. He's going to do it. And I would just pray and cry every year. I think that was my first taste of just the love of God. Like I was like, I am not giving up. Like I am not going to give up. And the more I've learned about God, and I think that's just one of the aspects of God's love, is he doesn't give up. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, the last thing it says there, that list of what the love is like, it says it doesn't fail. And I think I think it just means it doesn't stop. It doesn't end. Obviously, sometimes love fails and that our love can't produce the changes that we want to see in people. However, it doesn't fail in that it doesn't end. It just keeps going. So that was my first taste. And things continued to happen in my life where I just felt God's love. But I want to share the story of Frankie. This is where I feel like God just really just hit me like a ton of bricks. While I was still living at home the same year that I'm writing this prayer in my journal, I was working in the middle school and I was working with fifth and sixth graders. I had a day that I spent volunteering in fifth grade and a day that I spent volunteering in sixth grade. And I was going to school. I thought I was going to be a parapro. Eventually, I went and got my teaching degree. But I was there in the schools and I was still so sheltered. I mean, I wore my long denim jumpers and my long hair, and I was still sort of still coming out of everything. I think I still believed a lot of the stuff that we have been taught, but at the same time, I was questioning a lot of the other stuff, and I was surrounded by these normal kids. I mean, normal kids that I just did not know how to deal with, and at the same time, I loved them. I loved them, and we lived in rural northern Michigan, and there was just a lot of just a lot of pain in these kids' lives, things that I really hadn't been exposed to before. Kids who had divorced parents, kids who had parents who had never married, kids who lived with multiple different people and family members and girlfriends and boyfriends and of their parents, um, people who just just a lot of brokenness. There was one kid, there was three siblings in the same grade because his dad had been messing around with different women and they literally all were in the same grade together. Like it was just a lot of brokenness. And I was just really not 
used to that. I grew up in this bubble world where like everything was beautiful. I was sheltered from a lot of the true brokenness in the world. I read a lot of old-fashioned romantical books where there's always happy endings and the characters were just wonderful people. And so I had this very rosy view of life. And being in the middle school like that just really broke me of a lot of that rose glass in my lenses and my eyes. And so I remember the first time I ever saw Frankie. He was an eighth grader. I didn't work with eighth graders. And when I wasn't doing anything in the classrooms, I was usually stocking books in the library. The library was kind of in the middle of the middle school. And it had these big glass windows. And so I was standing there stocking books back on the shelf. And Frankie came down the hallway and he was literally being dragged by his ear. Like, I didn't even know people did that anymore. And she probably shouldn't have been doing it. But the teacher was so angry that she was just dragging Frankie down the hallway to the principal's office. And he was so bad. Like, I don't even know how to explain his badness to you guys. He came from a family of bad people. I mean, everybody knew about them. They were, they just had this reputation. And you want, you want to talk about anything they could do to be in trouble with the law? They did it. I mean, it was just this ragtag, poor, awful family. And they just had a reputation a mile long. And Frankie was the youngest in this family. And so he was the last of them. And he was just as bad as the rest of them. And I remember he was wearing, you know, this was like early 2000s. And so he was wearing like these big baggy, like thuggy kind of clothes and super short haircut. I don't know what he was trying to be like, but obviously some kind of a thug. And he was just bad. And I remember as he got dragged by my window, like all of a sudden my heart was just filled with love for him. And it was not my love. Like this was not my love. And I just was filled with love. Like God's love just filled my heart for Frankie. And I remember whispering, oh, oh, he's so beautiful. And I mean, like he wasn't beautiful. Trust me, he wasn't. But it was this this weird love from God. And as I processed that, when I got home later on that day, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Christy, that is how I see you. I see every bit of your badness, every bit of sin. And I look at you with such love. I love you. And even though I wasn't working with eighth graders at all, I suddenly got this desire to like help Frankie. And you got to understand this kid hardly came to school. When he did come to school, he was always behind. He just messed around. He was into everything bad you could imagine. He just was not, he was not a scholar. And I don't remember how this happened, but eventually I got to like work with study hall with him. Like he would come to the library with me and we would work on his work that he wasn't getting done. And he thought I was crazy. I mean, he thought I was nuts. And sometimes he wouldn't even work for me. Sometimes we just sat there. Sometimes he would like mess around with stuff. Sometimes it was, sometimes it was bad. Sometimes it was awful days. Sometimes he actually got some work done. You just never knew. And I, I know he thought I was crazy. Like, why would you want to do this with me? And I, I did not explain it to him. Like, cause God loves you. And I want to love you too. Kind of a weird thing. But I remember there's one day and Frankie, towards the end of our working together, he kind of figured out that I was there because I just was there to love kids. And I remember him asking me, you don't get paid to be here? And I was like, no, I volunteer. He was like, well, why would you do that? Why would you be here with these? Why would you do that here at school and not get paid? And I looked at him and I said, because I love children. And Frankie just stared at me. And guys, he was, he was beautiful. He was just a kid. He tried to be so tough and so big. He was just a kid. 
And he stared at me with these big blue eyes and he said, even druggies like me? Because he was. He was a druggie. He was going to admit it to you. He was a druggie. He was everything. Everything bad. That was Frankie. And I looked at him and I said, especially kids like you. Wow, it's getting me right now just talking about it. Teared up eyes, snuffly nose. Oh my goodness, it's been a long time. But God just poured his love into my heart for Frankie. And every time I saw Frankie, I felt the Holy Spirit whispering to me, that's how I love you. That's how I love you. And there were so many other kids like that, that God would just pour this love into me. And it wasn't my love. Like the ones he picked to love through me, they were always the ones that I would never have picked. Like they weren't desirable children. They were like the dirty, nasty ones. And that was the ones that God would just fill my heart with love for. And then he would whisper to me, that's how I love you. And I feel like coming out of my performance-driven cult, where everything was just about being good, this was so mind-boggling. And it made me realize even more how much that was wrong, that God doesn't value us because of our goodness. I think to a certain extent, he loves us even more because of our badness. It's like badness requires even more love. And he's like, I have so much to give. I have so much to give. My love never runs out. There's a verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And this is what he prays for them. That according to the riches of his glory, he, God, may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. This is the part I want you to focus on. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ. That is not a know like a mental knowledge. That is a know like an experiential knowledge. This, the Greek word is gnosko, and it means to experience, that you may experience the love of Christ. And honestly, guys, it's that experience of God's love that I've had over and over again, whether it's because he fills my heart with love for somebody else and then whispers to me, that's how he loves me, or whether it's just because I just feel his love for myself. Like I just, the experiential knowledge of God's love, he loves us so, so much. And that's the big thing that just keeps coming back to me and getting me. And honestly, meeting Jesus and experiencing his love, I could never leave him. I could never leave him ever. It's just not going to happen. And so as we wrap this up, I really just I want you to know the love of Christ. I want you to know, experience the love of Christ. That is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for every one of you guys listening right now. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you because I have experienced his love for the most broken people in this world. And I know that he loves you too, right where you're at. God sees us. He doesn't see the fake selves we try to portray to everybody else. Like, look over me. I got it together. I'm fine. No, he sees our heart. He sees the desperate mess that we're in. He looks at us and he sees right through all the fake and he sees our real selves. And that's where he loves us. And he looks at them and he says, oh, oh, they're so beautiful. So brokenly beautiful. Beautiful enough to die for. Beautiful enough to resurrect himself for us so that we could be in a relationship with him. That's all he wants. He wants a relationship with us. He wants our hearts and our lives will never be the same. Once we have that, once we've experienced that relationship with Jesus Christ, 
That's what we were made for. That's what we're made for. So I hope this encouraged you guys. If you have not experienced the love of Christ, just ask him. Ask him to give you a taste of his love. He'll probably give it by giving you love for somebody you shouldn't love. And then you'll be like, wow, that's crazy. Are you kidding me? For real. For real. And until next time, guys, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylindwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.